All right, we are back. That was Amanda Marshall. We'll listen to that a little later on in the show. That was Let It Rain. Standing by to join us is, we're going to switch gears here. This is uh, an experienced and respected writer, E.A. Amar, is joining us to talk about his new thriller, The Unrepentant. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Fantastic. I'm always interested in the backstory of writers, how they became a writer. So maybe we could start there and then we'll get into your latest book. Sure, that sounds great. So, Did you want me to go yeah. ahead? <laughs> <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of happened. That's, That's it. it. Uh, no. The, um, so for me, I sort of knew I wanted to write from an early age, and I had that experience that every writer has where a teacher tells you, you should really go into writing, and they encourage you to do it. And that teacher was every teacher I had who wasn't involved in writing. It was essentially, you should get out of math or science or psychology or whatever you're doing (laughs) and do something else. Really? And I, yeah, I I was not a good student. Um, And in fact, uh, I, I failed out of college. And I was going to college studying psychology, and after my first two years, I failed out, and I begged for the college to take me back in, and they said, you can come back, but you cannot, you absolutely cannot study psychology. Okay. That's, that's not going to be part of your yeah. future. Yeah. So they, I had to change majors, and I switched to English. And that, the college I was at had a terrific English program, and I was... Um, I was fortunate to study under some terrific teachers uh, who were all practicing professional writers. And after that, I just, I sort of knew right away it was what I wanted to do. You know, I'm I'm smiling here because I always feel like when things happen that you feel are so awful that they're doing you a favor. The weird thing was... uh, uh, so I failed out. Uh, my my final my, my death blow was a statistics course related to psychology. Oh yeah. Uh, so science and math <laughs> were not working for me. And the yeah. professor, uh, I needed to get something like I don't know a sixty nine on the final exam to mm-hmm. pass. And I got a sixty eight, and I went to the professor and I said, uh. you know, if if I don't if if I don't you know get that grade up, I'm going to fail out. And he said. You know, the, a similar thing happened to me, and I was studying. The same thing happened to him. He was in his sophomore year of college under a different degree. He failed out. Mm-hmm. He replied, reapplied, got back in, and went into psychology. And I talked to him about that, and I said, that's, that's really inspiring, but I, I don't want to go that route. Thanks for that little, little story, bit. but no. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he refused. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, same thing happened to me. So it's fine to talk about now. And, you know, when I talk yeah. to students and stuff, it's it's encouraging. But it was not fun at all to go through. No, because you feel really stupid and, you know, questioning yourself. I was a terrible student myself, by the way. And, you know, I hear stories about people paying for their kids to take SATs. Mine were so bad. I mean, but you're a, you're a Ph.D., right? I am, you sneaky person, you. <laughs> do you? I do my yeah. research. No, I, you know what, and I, I laugh. I tell my kids, it's no predictor. What, whatever you do on your SATs and all that stuff, it's no predictor of your future success. Yeah. At all, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, my wife and I both, you know, have our master's. She was a good student. I was, mm-hmm. I was not, but we both ended up with our master's. And, you know, I, I tell, you know, for my, I have a five-year-old, and I, 
imagine with him, like, if you can just stay somewhere between your mom's outstanding academic performance and my subpar academic performance, you're, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, they... Do you ever hear of Howard Gardner? Uh, there's the seven different intelligences. There's music and there's math. and there, You know, there, I feel like there's something for everybody. So you, even though you yeah. might not, you know, like I remember bombing at uh, philosophy, at logic, and I remember having to study again over the summer and still not doing, and just barely passing and felt so stupid. But some things are just not for everybody. And I think that's also the way, you know, things are taught in ways that aren't for everybody. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very interested in math and science. I've just never, and I felt like I never had the aptitude for them, but I think it's sort of the way it's presented. Reading books about math and science is, mm-hmm. depending who they're written by, you know, can be fascinating. Learning about it in school wasn't, I, I didn't have that same, um, that, that same uh, orientation towards it. No. And I, I'm missing, like, gaps of knowledge, because I remember just kind of tuning out or my eyes glazing over, like, during history class. You know, I just couldn't get what they were talking about, because it was taught in such a boring way. And I would always, you know, like, you would hear the stories about, you know, you know uh, Jack and April are running a lemonade stand. Oh, God. And they decide to split the profits, <laughs> but Jack takes two-thirds. And then I'm thinking, like... Well, that's not really nice of Jack. I mean, and yeah. what's their relationship? I mean, they're friends who work together for all this time, and they've, I mean, was there any chemistry there, or was it something, Is there, you know, or, or maybe, I mean, were they involved with someone else? Why is Jack taking more money? And then the teacher would say, so how many apples do they have? And I was like, yeah. what? Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You sound like the psychologist analyzing the situation and their personalities and and then, yeah, they throw a curveball, like, what was the color of his left shoe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I was, I was always way off, way off target. That's so funny. <laughs> so I guess we should talk about your latest book. How did that come about, uh, this thriller, The Unrepentant? Yeah, so it, um, you know, it, it came from out of sort of an interest I have in the philosophy behind violence. Yeah, that, that's really what led to it. There, there were two things, two mm-hmm. factors. That was the first. I, I've always had an, an interest in our attitude and our approach as, I guess, I guess as Americans, but really just generally as people, and more specifically as men and women towards violence, uh, how it affects us, how we view it. And the, when, you, when you look into violence enough, and especially when you look at it from the perspective I did, which is where you regard violence as callous, and cruel, you're in all likelihood eventually going to come to the violence done uh, by men to women. So it, it came a bit out of that. And then the other part was I, I was very interested. The stories in the books I'd written before, the, the characters that readers tended to uh, relate to and find the most interesting were the women. Oh. And I wanted to to write a novel with a woman as a as the protagonist or co-protagonist. That's great. Now, are are your other writings thrillers, or was this a new territory for you? No, it's always been the the novels have been thrillers. I I do. I it's funny because when I started writing, I assumed I'd only write novels. 
I also thought they'd be wildly popular, and I would emerge out of a couple of years of writing from, you know, a cave like Moses with a tablet, and people would <laughs> gather around, and that was not the case. Mm-hmm. So I started, I started writing other stuff, uh, partially in promotion of the novels and partially just out of an interest. Uh, so I began writing nonfiction. Uh, I, I'm a monthly columnist for the Washington Independent Review of Books. That's and great. Go ahead, sir. No, I said that's great. Oh, okay. And it's uh, yeah, it's been it's it's been really interesting, and it it lets me flex a muscle I, I sort of didn't know I had. You know, when non- nonfiction is so different for me, and 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 challenging in different ways. Mm-hmm. But it's been it it. it it gives me a chance, so they, they kind of let me write about whatever I want. So it, it lets me talk about topical issues in society, given that it has some relation to writing and publishing. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give people that are writers that, you know, they are struggling to find their voice and get out, get their words heard? I, w- I would say the most important thing, one of the most important elements of writing and it, it's something that often gets neglected, especially with newer writers, is location. Um, you really have to have an understanding of where your story is taking place. And you can you do that through, you know, a lot of, a lot of writings are set in, in generic places. And it's focused on the characters, which is, which is terrific. Um, but the location informs your characters. Right, somebody from New York is going to look at things very differently from somebody in Kansas, just based off the parameters around them. Right. So your location really has to. It, it, it's not necessarily like a lot of people say. You know, the location is almost a character. That that's not quite right, but it informs the characters. Yeah. Um. So make sure that where, where you're writing about, you have a relationship with that location. That you you don't have to like it. That's fine. Your characters will, will work against it, but make sure that it's present and that people from there recognize it. No, that's great advice. Was there uh, a time when you questioned whether you really were going to stay in writing, or was once you switched gears in, in school, that was it for you? You know, it, I, I never really question, questioned it that much. Uh, writing, writing makes me happy. That's you know, it's... it's it, it makes me happy. I want to do it. I, I feel like it's the right vehicle for me. I've never questioned um, writing, aside from when people are reading my books. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I just get really, you know, launch week was terrible for me. You know, everybody's talking about the book, and, and it was getting more reviews and, and good reviews in places I'd never been in, and more people reading it than had ever read any of my books. Okay, and, well, why was that bad or stressful? Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's just different because yeah. you, you work on this for so long and eventually you're sort of removed from it. Yes. And then when people are reading it, it's like it's the first time, it's the first time they, they've read it and it, it's a first time experience for you and those are always trying. Well, you feel very raw and open when people are reading your book. That's so vulnerable, you know, yeah. And here's Absolutely. all the time and energy you've put into your writing, and it's hard, you know? Yeah, it's a couple of years, you know, and you, you for me, I mean, for other writers, it, it may be more or less, but about a year and a half or two years for me, and and yeah, it's, it's, 
you know, you, you, you do forget. You do forget what it's like to read those words the first time. And then somebody does it. And people, you know, very nicely talk with you about your book very casually. And everything they say has so much more weight than they realize. Yes, definitely. You know, they, 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 they'll talk about a character or something. Or, and, oh, yeah, that was funny. And you're like, you sound that funny. Okay, good. That is you. Know, you. It, it, it echoes in you and yeah. in ways they don't realize. Right. Uh, do you do a lot of book tours? A lot of what? Sorry. Do you do a lot of book tours? Uh, I I do a lot locally. Oh, that's good. You know, I I I, I do go to a lot of I do go to national events, mm-hmm. but as far as like multi city tours and stuff, no, not. Not yet. I, I'm doing a little bit of that with this book. Yes. But it, it, so it is a bit of a new experience for me. Right. But, um, yeah, and, and that, that, that is interesting, too. It, a lot of it, I, I don't do it as much, be, partially because it, there's so much promotion involved. Right. It's just yes. hard to find the time to, sure to set up events. So we have to wrap up, but where can people find out more about you? Uh, they can go to my website, eamar.com or eamarrights.com. Uh, and also Facebook and Twitter, I'm at E.A. Amar. Fantastic. Congratulations on your latest book, and I love your story, your backstory. So thank you very much, and thanks yeah. so much for having me. Oh, this is, uh, my pleasure. This is, I love, love your show, and I appreciate being on. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. That was E.A. Amar, and he's talking about his, he was talking about his latest uh, thriller, The Unrepentant, and he has a really interesting backstory that he shared. If you missed any part of this conversation, it will be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We're going to take a little break, and then we have one more guest calling in. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.